Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, including five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Good evening, Susan. How are you? Wet. It has been doing nothing but raining. We are all so wet. Everything is wet. There is no place in the universe that is dry. It's all wetter than wet. <laughs> wet. <laughs> Justine and Rain I have just been came wet. back here today, so <laughs> it's wet here too. Justine and I have been working very, very hard indoors, though, so there is that advantage to it being too wet and cold. It got really cold again, standing to the low 40s, which feels colder wow. than when it was in the 30s and it got to the 40s. If it was in the, when it's in the 60s and it goes back to the 40s, it's like, ugh. So we have been doing just a ton of work inside. Um, 
working to um, get the next steps done for Abundantly Well. And the next steps are to get the um, PDFs and the bound printed galleys into the hands of people who want to review the book and people who want to write blurbs for the book. So if you are listening to the show and you want to write a blurb for the new book Abundantly Well, or if you want to um, write you know, something about me to be put in the book, um, that's what we're looking for now. Or if you write articles or reviews and you want that, we're going to have Bound Printed Galleys within a week. Ooh, hoo, hoo. And we have PDFs right now. Of course, it is uncorrected and unindexed, and that's the next big task that lies ahead of me is making the index. But we're on the part of the roller coaster that if it goes up, it's all it's only because it's going to go down really steep and really fast now. We're really moving into um, big-time production on Abundantly Well. So, woo, very exciting. Yeah, how exciting. And especially because we can't go outside and play. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have yeah. indoor. Yeah, well, that <laughs> definitely. And let's see, I got I got a letter here. This is a letter from Kathleen, and um, I most remember Kathleen not as an apprentice, although I remember her very fondly as an apprentice. But I remember the the I think it was a year or two after her apprenticeship. And she decided that she was going to come back for a visit, but to get ready to come back for a visit here, because she lived in a kind of city at that point, she was going to go to a public park. And she was going to, you know, sink into the earth, and she was going to breathe up the plants, and she was going to remind herself of what she'd done as an apprentice and and be here. And she kept doing that, you know, week after week, going to that park. And, and one day she was moved, so she said, to take off her clothes, to really be close to nature. Of course, she was arrested. Um and all probably would have been okay if she had just put her clothes on or if she had go along, gone along, but she decided to resist arrest and to, you know, badmouth the cops. And um, so she called up to tell me that she wasn't wasn't going to be able to come and visit because she had to work to pay off her fine. So if you're going to take off your clothes, don't do it in a public park. Wait till you come to the Wise Woman's Center where you can do it and no one will arrest you unless you walk down the street and go swimming in the stream by the road, because there's a man down there who does not like that at all. But we have a private place to go into the river. (laughs) And she writes and says, Dearest Susan, blessings of spring to you. I can hardly wait for the glorious summer with kayaking and canoeing. As I recall, she went um, very far... um, in some kind of martial art after she left here. She was really, really excited about the small amount of martial arts that she learned here in the Tai Chi, and she really pursued that. The mysterious photo in your e-zine from 1998 Apprentices shows, among others, the backs of the two Anns, engineers from Rochester, shown on the left side, and Jen, who did not complete her apprenticeship. What fun to see a photo from one of our workshops. Memorable and 
formative, one of the most memorable and formative summers of my life. I am completing my Reiki Master Studies. This has brought much beauty into my life. Other significant milestones include meeting biological relatives for the first time. This was accomplished through ancestry. as I was adopted as an infant, and the records were sealed, but I managed to get in. So it's been a year of reaching out for me, reconnecting with loved ones from the past 50 years, including you and all the others that made my apprenticeship so memorable. Yours in gratitude, Kathleen. Are you still there? I'm here, yeah. Okay, good. Just uh, seeing if you were going to say anything. (laughs) No, that is the end of the letter celebrating 35 years of apprentices. And today is Cassandra's first day as an apprentice here. You want to say hi to everybody? Oh, wow. Hello. Oh, Cassandra. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, so that's your first apprentice this year, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's a good cool. thing, too. I was able to get everything mm-hmm. that's needed to the book done. Yeah, and have somebody to help you herd the goats and all of that, too. Right at the right, right at the right point of the year, exactly. Yeah, nice. Those days of herding goats are some of my fondest memories as well, just being out there and learning to milk the goats. Such an awesome opportunity to have. It is. There's something that's so deeply nourishing about the hands-on work of providing your own food. Mm-hmm. Just way beyond the yeah, calories, not, nutrients yeah. in the food. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, it was coming from a pretty rough spot when I showed up there, so <laughs> it was a big change and adjustment. I remember, but yeah, I long to have my own goat someday, like living in the country and like having that experience again because it's just it was. Yeah, it just was so, it was such a beautiful experience to be be there and be with the animals and all the plants and everything. Yeah. 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 It is Someday. Just, it's really spectacular <laughs> this spring because of all the rain. And the apple trees are just mm-hmm. covered, covered, covered in flowers. Really magnificent cool. yeah. bloom this year. Yeah. Yeah, we have lots and... of established berries. Yard, so we have lots of flowering, flowering Ooh. berries and fruit right now. So I'm really excited to see what everything brings on because I haven't been able to identify all of them. So we have to wait until uh, they produce fruit. <laughs> and I'm very excited that we have finally get to talk to Nancy Vetter Schultz. She is a favorite person of mine. And her book is called The World is Your Oracle, Divinatory Practices for Tapping Your Inner Knowing and Getting the Answers You Need. And in fact, there are 40 different divinatory techniques. And as you'll find out tonight, she keeps posting new divinatory techniques. And I even found a new one to talk to her about tonight. 
So we are going to have such a good time at 9 o'clock. Stay with us until then or come back at 9 o'clock and learn how the world can indeed be your oracle. Hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, somebody was just asking me what's the difference between, you know, the oracle cards and um, tarot, and I'm interested to hear her talk about, because I know that some people consider themselves oracles, too, like they can open themselves in that way without even having, like, a a card, but, like, able to have, um, like, being speak through them as an oracle. So there's, like, different types of oracles. That there are. Absolutely. You are so right. And that and as I said, her book, The World is Your Oracle, gathers together forty different oracle techniques and practices from around the world. Because they do differ yeah, quite so, wide. Mhm. So interesting. We have um, just a couple of people with their hands raised so far. So if you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to ask your question. And um, if we're ready, we'll go to the first caller. Sure. Okay. And it looks like this person is calling from out of the country. Do you know who you are? Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, it's so wonderful. Yes, I'm calling from Spain. <clears throat> and uh, good evening. Thanks um, for staying up so late. Well, honestly, I always want to call because I listen to the show all the time, but I actually feel abundantly well. So I never have any questions, but tonight I was awake and I said I have a few things I'm curious about, so I figured I'd call in. All right. What are you curious about? Tell me. All right, so the first thing is about my tongue. This is weird, but about, like, three months ago, I noticed that, like, on one side of my tongue, I had, like, an indentation kind of, not like a fissure, but just that, like, I don't know, it looked like a a U-shape on the side of my tongue that was, like, missing taste buds, I guess. I don't really know. Small. And I've noticed kind of that, there's been like, I was just looking at it before and I saw that like there are other parts of my tongue kind of that are missing taste buds. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but I always remember that my dad would say that if you had like a problem with your tongue, it has to do with your digestive system. And I just wanted to know what you had to say about that. (laughs) Does your tongue hurt? Um, not really, but I, I noticed, that I had like the mark on my tongue three or four months ago because it was a little bit uncomfortable. Like maybe I had bitten it or something, but it's still there. And is it, it and is it still discomfort discomforting you? Is it no, actual? not at all. No, not okay. really. Because no. it's certainly possible to have something bad going on without there being pain. Yeah. But usually in something as sensitive as the tongue, if something bad is going on, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Okay. So that it doesn't hurt to me suggests that whatever it is, it's probably not bad. Okay. 
All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's bad. I just was curious about it because I noticed it. In the medicine from Asia, especially Mm -hmm. China and Japan, the tongue is seen as a diagnostic tool. Exactly. But not that it relates to the digestive system, but it relates Mm -hmm. to the functioning of the entire body. Okay. So that the tongue, and because the five element theory from China uh, relies a lot on contrast, right? Hot and cold, wet and dry, full and empty. Um, the tongue is described in those terms. Mm-hmm. So a tongue in a system that is too moist and often too cool Mm -hmm. will be big enough to press against the teeth and get indentations. Okay, yeah. And a tongue that is indicating a system that is hot and often dry will be narrower and might have fissures. Mm-hmm. A tongue that is very wet would indicate a lot of moisture in the body, dampness it's called, of course. Whereas mm-hmm. whereas um, a tongue that is red is going to indicate heat and fire mm-hmm. in the body. And mm-hmm. Then look at different indications, not necessarily on the tongue, to get a sense of um, is that overcooling or overheating or overdrying or over moisturizing? Is that located in this place or that place? And again, it's five element theory, and they're paired organs, and those organs feed energy to each other in a very interesting pattern. Mm hmm. Yeah. So the book, The Web That Has No Weaver, is perhaps the best introductory text to working with the five element theory. Although okay. there are there are specific books about tongue diagnosis, which are also quite interesting. Yeah. And can give you um a sense of what your overall health might be. Like sometimes, like sometimes people say to me, well, you certainly walk barefoot a lot. And I say, yes, I find that walking barefoot gives me one of the very best immediate feedbacks on my overall health. Mm. Because the sole of your foot is said to correspond to every part of your body. Exactly, yeah. So if you're walking barefoot and it hurts, then that part of your body is saying, hi, I need some attention. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about stepping on, you know, sharp things. You have to be careful mm-hmm. not to bat. I'm talking about just yeah. the, that some people say, oh, I don't even think I could walk barefoot. It would hurt. Exactly. Okay. All so right. Ms. interesting. You had another question. Okay. Well, the other question, it's interesting that you say that the book is called The Web That Has No Weaver because I'm a knitter. And I was curious about plant dyes, because I know every once in a while I hear you say, oh, and that plant is actually a dye. 
So I was just curious off the top of your head, things that are blooming. I mean, here in Spain, we're having hot weather. It's spring here now. Um, anything that's uh, spring, summer plant that comes to mind that you think is a good dye plant? Because I like to dye my wool. Mm. Um, there, there are dyes that can be gotten from a great many different plants. And there's a very active worldwide community of people who use natural dyes. Mm-hmm. The real trick, as you know, if you already dye, is the mordant. Mm-hmm. Alum is what I typically use. Um, right. Or but but alum is not necessarily the best mordant for plant dyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Colonial housewives got their men to piss in a big Barrel, <laughs> because yeah. the plant dyes do better with the acids in urine. Exactly. Yeah. More than them, more securely than the alum does. Mm-hmm. But I'm no expert at this. <laughs> I have just a, a passing casual um, interest in it, okay. and because we can do it with plants, and any any plants. I've, I had peop- I had a woman who does a lot of natural dyeing, tell me that I have a lichen growing on my trees that is reasonably rare and makes incredible purple dye. Mm. Okay, so yeah, lichen. The people, right, the people who do the natural dyes are into everything, roots and shoots and lichens. And Yeah. Yeah, and my, rather than telling you specific plants, I would say check out the community, check out what's online, and... Play around, have fun. Absolutely, yeah. I know that cleavers, I think cleavers are in the family of matter, right? And so, because matter root is used to to get like a red dye. And I think I've seen something online that cleaver roots could be used as a dye. Yes, but it's not nearly as strong as the matter. Exactly, yeah. I I tried a little bit, but I I didn't see anything. Yeah. And the last really quick question is just if you could clarify or talk a little bit about the possible harmfulness of dried hypericum in in tea or infusion. Because someone just gifted me a beautiful blend of tea, and there is some dried St. Jones wort. And so I thought, ooh, I don't know about that. I mean, in small doses, it's just a tiny little pack of small doses. It's so. going to be a problem at all. Okay. All right. Perfect. So hypericum is one of the world's best antivirals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All kinds of active ingredients in hypericum, also known as St. John's Wort or St. John's Wort, that actively kill viruses. And scientists begin to examine these and, you know, kind of tickle them out one by one and test them. And they found one that killed HIV. Wow. So we know how this goes. Okay, it kills HIV in a Petri dish. Now we infect an animal with HIV. Does the stuff still work? Wow, it still works in animal tests. Mm-hmm. Third level of testing, we test it on people. And it turns out that while it does indeed help people get rid of HIV and to deal with what's going on when they have it, the active alkaloid that does that, which is present 
primarily in the dried plant and hardly at all in the fresh plant, causes extreme sun sensitivity. Mm. Okay. Sun sensitivity that when these people who had taken just this active ingredient were given just this active ingredient, they could get sunburned by sitting next to a window. Okay. That's important in the south of Spain because it's very sunny. <laughs> and I'm exactly. very there, so. mm-hmm. I, yeah. once, I once taught a class on Hypericum. It was a two-hour class just on that one plant. There were about 40 people in class. Mm-hmm. And I asked if any of them saw people, helped people. And most of them did, and the average client load was about 100 people. Uh-huh. The people sitting in that classroom represented 40 times 100, or about 4,000 people. I asked them if they used Hypericum as part of their practice, and everyone raised their hand, yes, Susan, it's a class on Hypericum. The people who are there are people who love Hypericum. Because mm-hmm. nobody else could quite figure out how to, you could talk about one plant for two hours, but if you love this plant, you understand immediately. So I said, okay, so we represent, you know, close to 4,000 people here. I'd like to ask a question. How many times have you ever seen sun sensitivity from using Hypericum? One of those 40 people raised her hand. Okay. And everyone in the room kind of turned toward her like a, like the iron filings in a mag. Right? And I said to her, how do you primarily recommend that people take Hypericum? She said, as a tea or in capsules. Mm, Okay. All the rest of us used only tincture or oil. Okay. All right. So So it's not going to hurt to have a little in your tea, right? Okay. Have it at night. Yeah, and also Usually put in calming blends. It's considered to be a calming herb. And I know that the flowers are widely used throughout Europe. Yeah. As teas. I know that's true. But I don't consider it the most effective way to use it or the safest way to use it because to me, Hypericum is so much more than a calm you down herb. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it's it's just starting to to shoot up here. I found the patch that I had met last summer, and I'm super excited for for the blossom. Ooh, so I'm, yay! <laughs> yeah, so that'll be soon. Mm-hmm. It's it's never a lot, but just a few. I get to look at it, and yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, and I'm gonna have some of my tea and, and go back to sleep. Maybe. <laughs> Golden dreams. Good night. All right. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Green blessings. Green blessings. The next caller is coming from the 603 area code. Hi, Susan. Good evening. I'm so happy to get to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, yes. Um, wow. Uh, Planter warts. Um, talk, uh, I, I'm new to this. I'm so interested in learning so much more. Um my computer's been on the fritz, and I and uh, I found a little bit of information, and and uh, have asked some people who are more into herbs than I do, have more on knowledge. I really want your opinion because people are suggesting tea tree oil, and I know 
I've heard you mention to stay away from those essential oils, so I'd like you to speak on that. And as I see here now, um, what I managed to find on the computer mentioned milk thistle and iodine and um, I, um, some kind of cape you put on. And I, then that brought to my mind, I heard you once talk about putting, oh, what's that kind of tape called that you put on it? Anyway, um, please, I'm, I'm eager to listen to your opinion on how to treat the plantar warts. And I just caught a little bit of the previous caller, and you mentioned and you were talking about the St. John's wort and how that's a strong antiviral. So, aha, maybe I need to try the tincture or the oil. I'm ready to listen. What do you have to offer me? Thank you. You're so well done. <laughs> uh, plantar warts are warts that go in rather than out. We tend to think of a wart as something that grows up above the skin, but the plantar wart grows in, and it can be painful depending on where it is, or non-painful. I take it yours is painful. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's in well, an area one of is, your... one isn't. One is and one isn't. Okay. So generally, plantar warts resolve on their own. They go away. They can be picked up by being in wet areas where other people have plantar warts, the same way that many kinds of things can be passed. So, you know, gyms, walking in wet floors, areas around swimming pools, barefoot, things like that are places that plantar warts can be picked up. And the safest safest thing to do, if it's not giving you pain, is just let it go away on its own. If you go to a doctor, what they will generally do is to use some kind of caustic substance to burn down into the root of the plantar wart to destroy it. Nothing that can be done herbally can get down to the root of the plantar wart. It is possible that putting hypericum oil on it repeatedly could weaken it and cause it to go away sooner, but I don't know. The duct tape duct tape, that was it. Is commonly used for regular warts, warts that come up. Will it get rid of a plantar wart? The jury's still out. But it's certainly not a problem to try it. Just take a piece of tape, cut it to fit over the area where the plantar wart is, stick it on, and leave it there until it falls off. If that's less than a week, replace it. Many places suggest that you keep it taped for as long as possible, even periods of up to several months. With the plantar wart, that might be something that would be needed. Meanwhile, the tape provides a small cushion, which should actually relieve some of the pain. 
So to summarize, nothing that you take internally is going to have much of an effect on a plantar wart because it's not something that came that arose because of something that was going on internally. It's an external infection. Kind of like you walk out in the rain, you get wet. Well, yeah, you get wet. It's not because you did something bad inside. It's because you're standing in the rain. In most cases, plantar warts will resolve on their own, especially if you don't put things on them like tea tree oil. The American uh, Podiatry Association has come out with a warning against tea tree oil being used on the feet, especially on the toenails, and especially to treat warts and fungus. American Podiatry Association has come out with that? Uh-huh. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, so the damage that tea tree oil causes. They know. I thought only you knew. <laughs> I thought only uh, herbalists, some herbalists knew this. And, but uh, they, okay. Can you Yeah, no, they see, of- you know, toenails falling off, and it's it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. But as you say, if you go trolling the Internet looking for what to do, you are for sure going to come up with somebody telling you to use essential oil, without a doubt. So I understand that there's a lot of information out there, and part of the reason there's so much information is because it is a big money maker. Why We're is talk- it so dangerous for us to use essential oils? Can you explain that, please? Would you consider aspirin completely safe? Mm, not completely. Well, I remember, I, I, I don't know about aspirin. I, tr- I only take it, you know, if I absolutely need it, I'd rather take something that's directly from the plant, um, mm-hmm. you know, instead of something that's been processed or okay. part, oh, you know, part of it taken sub- out. There's a substance in willow bark which can be used to make aspirin. Yes. So suppose I told you that aspirin was the same as willow bark. Well, I don't know if it is the same because it's... it's ah, because something has happened. The compound in willow bark that's the same as aspirin has been extracted from the willow. It has been concentrated, and it has been purified. And that, those three steps make it a drug. Yes. If you have a plant that has volatile oils in it, in order to get an essential oil, you must extract it, concentrate it, and purify it. Essential oils are drugs. Okay. They're no safer than aspirin is. Okay. To be used no more frequently than any other drug. Certainly there's a place in our lives for drugs but not for everyday health. There's quite a bit of scientific literature talking about the effects of essential oils within the body. You probably know that your cells in your body are defined from each other by membranes which are made up of fatty layers, lipids. The membrane of the cells in our bodies are defined by lipids, fats. 
essential oils destroy those lipid boundaries. And then, once they have gotten into the cell by destroying the boundary of the cell, they begin to harm the mitochondria. Jeez. Mitochondria, of course, are the powerhouses of the cell. They're what gives you energy. You get your mitochondria only from your mother. It's only matrilineal mitochondria. And they're quite important for health and essential oils. Harm them and harm the protectiveness that each cell needs to have around itself. And again, as I say, you can go and you can find scientific studies that show this. I didn't get this from a trance. I read a lot and I read a lot of science. And I too was shocked because I had been, actually you'll find in a childbearing year that I didn't say volatile oil, I say essential oil. Because I had been led to believe that plants had essential oils. I mean, it's just really easy to get them, but it's not. It's no more easy to get that essential oil than it is to get aspirin out of willow. Of course, a great many drugs are made from plants. But that doesn't mean we want to confuse the drugs and the plants. The essential oils are confusable because they still have the plant names. In other words, if you went to the drugstore and instead of calling it aspirin, they called it willow bark, it'd be easy to confuse it. Yes. Yes. There are young boys in the United States who have grown breasts from using products, especially shampoos, containing essential oils, especially lavender oil, and yes, even if it's organic. Because essential oils are hormone disruptors, like BPA, and agricultural chemicals. Wow. Years years ago, I started using um, this liquid soap. I don't know if you want me to give the name of it. I think it was called Dr. Browner's, maybe. And I think they had a plane, and then they had, like, the various ones scented with lavender or rose or what else? Maybe there was one with tea tree. I don't remember. But peppermint. Have... Peppermint. I used to use peppermint. that all the time. So that is, all of that is bad? I should just purchase the unscented? Liquid soap? You have to decide for yourself what to do about your health. Let me ask you these things. Do essential oils kill bacteria? Do essential oils kill bacteria? Do essential oils kill bacteria? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't really care because I want to stay from essential oils if, if they're, if they're, they're at, harmful, if they're considered a drug. Essential oils kill bacteria. Essential oils kill microorganisms, essential oil kills funguses. Your microbiome in your gut is made up of funguses, microorganisms, and bacteria. So when you are in the presence of an essential oil, even if it's not touching you, even if you are merely breathing it in, by breathing it in, it goes into your lungs, then into your bloodstream, and to your gut, and kills gut flora. 
But let's track your average American. Through the day, they get up in the morning. They do or don't put on their coffee pot or heat up some infusion. And then perhaps they um, brush their teeth. All toothpaste contains essential oil. And then they rinse their mouth with water and then with some kind of mouthwash, all of them containing essential oil. They then jump in the shower, wash their body with a soap, whether it's a liquid soap from Dr. Bronner's or someone else, or a bar soap made by an artesian. It usually contains essential oil. Shampoo their hair with a shampoo containing essential oil. Condition it with a conditioner containing essential oil. Get out of the shower, dry off, and put on a body lotion containing essential oil. getting a lot of essential oils in and on their body, which is all absorbed. My teachers told me, think of your skin as a mouth. If you would not put it in your mouth, do not put it on your skin. Yes. So many people have fallen prey to all these essential oil craze, and I myself, like first in the 70s, discovered discovered that soap i started using it i thought it was better than the stuff you got at the grocery store you know it's that beautiful castile soap so and, and you can read it forever it has so much writing on it oh i know, but, <laughs> so, i'm gonna yeah that's for sure so yeah. there is Plain Castile soap is fine. I don't know how Castile soap and, is. And my advice is don't damn your former self. No. Your former self did her best. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to move forward from now on. Now that you didn't know then and you want to change what you do, so much the better. But we don't have to... to, to um, you know, be upset about our former choices. Oh, no, no, no. I just want to move forward from from now on. That's why I'm, uh, you know, I, I want to learn and and grow, and do better. Mm. And for those that I love, can I tell you that? Also, that uh, we had like planter warts on our feet at our house because we go to the pool a lot, and I think that's where we got them. But um. We used salicylic acid, and that was really uh, helpful. I had to do a couple different treatments because I think I exposed myself through my shoes with them again, but I stopped wearing these one particular slippers that I think were holding a lot of the, the, um, that, like the virus in it. So, right. But, uh, yeah, and to Dr. Bronner's credit, because I love Dr. Bronner, they do have an essential oil-free baby wash that, and you can buy it in the big bottles or in the in the bar soap as well. So, <laughs> there is a, a Dr. Bronner's essential oil-free wash for babies. Yeah, it's called their it's their baby. They used to put a little bit of lavender in there, but they stopped doing that, and so that's what Yay. that's what we buy. I like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they and usually just, also in their lines sell pure Castile soap, scentless. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what was that, Susan? I didn't hear that. Pure, cast, pure liquid Castile soap, scentless. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Uh, now, and there are uh, several other companies who make pure liquid Castile soap as well. Is what I'm saying. Is that okay. we're not limited to Dr. Bronner's. It's a lovely soap, but it is simply one of its kind, and there are, are other manufacturers as well. Okay. Now, what about iodine? Is that okay to put to use? I'm, I shouldn't ask that like that. Iodine is that is that something? Uh, you know, Ryan Drum does a very interesting thing. He um, has people test their iodine levels by putting iodine on their inner arm. Oh yes. And. Apparently, if your iodine levels are high, then the iodine stays on your skin, and if your iodine levels are low, your body absorbs it. Right. I think the more important question is, would putting iodine on anything have much of an effect? And I don't think so. Oh, okay. Okay. Again, what's usually used is some kind of Acid and iodine is not an acid. Acid. So is salicylic like, like Rebecca just said, salicylic acid, which which is actually aspirin, interestingly enough. <laughs> just to close the circle there. And I think you can buy salicylic acid at the pharmacy. Is that okay, where you got it, Rebecca? No. If that's that is something I Yeah, that's right. That's where I get it. I just got it at uh, like Rite Aid or something like that. So. Okay. Is it a liquid, Rebecca? It is a liquid, and um, I would put it on for like a whole week after I got out of the shower or after I got done bathing, and um, then just put like a Band-Aid over it, and uh, a big chunk will kind of come out of where that, where the, it'll remove like that whole, the whole wart and like into the roots of it, and you just want to make sure after you, after the it, the wart comes out, like that would be a good time to put hypericum on it just to keep it nice and safe and um, to help any of the virus to totally go to die off. Oh, it can that be kind of, time it can be kind of startling when you see a hole in your foot that go deep. It goes deep, mm-hmm. yeah. You said it goes deep? Oh. Yeah. Okay. And that's when you put the hyper, hypericum tincture, did you say? Oil. No, I use oil, and then you want to make sure, like, your shoes and stuff, like, if you to, like, put some, like, vinegar or something like that in any of the shoes that you'll be, that you have had, like, and wash your sheets and all that kind of stuff, too, just to make sure that yeah. the, because I think it spreads in that, a in that way. Like I said, I, a little dose of hygiene goes a long way when we're dealing with plantar warts. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I had to do a couple different treatments of like those week-long treatments for it to to go away and so did my partner and stuff. So, yeah, they're kind of they're they're hard to get rid of. Oh, yeah, experience. and anybody you play tootsies with is going to get them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, now do I am I mixing up hypericum oil with um yeah, uh with yarrow, um, with yarrow extract, I thought there was something you don't ever put on broken skin. I think I heard you say that. Which one was that? that you don't arnica. Ever... Arnica. Oh, arnica. That's right. Okay. That's not, that's not what we're dealing with here. Now, it did mention milk thistle t- tincture. Is that something that you would consider? 
using for for you um, don't have a plantar's wart because something happened internally. Oh no, it says tincture to put on it. You just as well soak your foot in some vodka. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. The the milk thistle, so far as I know, would not have any effect on it. But let's reel back to how could somebody think that? Well, thistles often have white sap. Dandelions have white sap. In folk medicine, the white sap of dandelion is applied to, to warts usually along with the spell, to get rid of them. So somebody might have decided that that white sap from the dandelion, which could also be in the milk thistle, could somehow be transferred to a tincture and could somehow get into the plantar's wart if you put that tincture. But we can see that that's probably not true. And in fact, I actually, um, having just did a whole show about figs, uh, think that this whole using the milky sap of things, because the truth of the matter is that this milky sap of dandelion does not work that well, came from people who had used the milky sap of figs, which really does a lot. Oh. And not the sap from the fig itself, but from the tree. Like if you have a fig tree and you break that, there's going to be this incredible milky latex coming out of that. And that that stuff, it can actually be very acidic and irritating to the skin, and that could be used to get rid of any kind of wart. Ah. So that's how somebody could have gotten to milk thistle, right? But it's a long road between fig sap and milk thistle tincture, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I recently purchased um, um, a, a young fig tree um, uh, from the local garden center because... Oh, um, perfect, yes. You have fig sap. So I could I could break a piece a, a piece of that uh, uh, young, young even a young one would would work. Well, here's the here's the difficulty, right? You get the sap by breaking off a leaf. Yes. And you have to put the sap on every single day for at least a week. Yes. If you have a young tree, that's seven or eight leaves. Right. How many leaves does your tree have? <laughs> Not 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 a not a whole lot yet. It's very it's a, just a young. You That's know, what very, I'm saying. Yes, yeah. it doesn't matter that it's young, but because it's Small. young, it doesn't have enough leaves to give you the amount of sap you need. I see. I see. So the practical thing that you're advising would be, and you and Rebecca are suggesting, is the salicylic salicylic acid that I just get, liquid that I get at the drugstore, or there and you go. the duct tape, and the duct tape. And Rebecca just used a Band-Aid, right? And the Band-Aid. I did. I just used a Band-Aid. Band-Aid, not duct tape. She just used a Band-Aid. And it sounds like, correct me if I I'm wrong, Rebecca, like, like you did Can it I just say every I tried day. the duct tape and it made the bottom of my foot so swollen and it was painful and I couldn't walk on it. So yeah, as I really? said, Band-Aid. But it's, it's not necessarily but the acid, kind of, but it does. It also cuts off the circulation as well. So right. it it works kind of like duct tape. So yeah. Yeah. So the acid, and it sounds like you did a took off the band aid and put fresh acid on each evening. Fresh yes. acid on yeah. each evening. Yes. Okay. That's what you did, Rebecca. Yes, every day I did. Yeah. For a week. For yeah, a week um, until maybe a few like a higher plantar wart has been extruded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. If you need a break, you take a break and then go and do it again, which is what you said you did. Rebecca, yes. thank you. I can't wait to try this because my husband has the same problem. As a matter of fact, he had it first, so I got it from him. And um, I'm going to try this and get back to you. I'll keep, I'll keep on doing that. And uh, I thank you so much, both of you. Green blessings. Thanks for your question. A great one. Good night. Great. Green blessings to you both. Good night. Good night. All right. The next caller is coming from the 646 area code. Oh, hi. Uh, hi, Susan. This is Jennifer. I'm a friend of Lauren Lesser. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. I'm so glad you could call. Nice to talk with you and to hear your wisdom. Um, I was up there some years ago with my daughter, and I know she shares her birthday. I don't know if you remember. She was a little girl at the time. But um, anyway, she's here listening, too. Oh, wonderful. Um, <laughs> thank you. I was brought up pretty much in the medical model, and I'm 52 now. I live in New York City. <laughs> And um, I've learned, you know, through Lauren and through reading some of your books as well, um, you know, some alternative, uh, you know, the real deal, the plant-based medicine. Um, But I've come into a bit of trouble with my knees. Um, I was a dancer for many years. I did ballet for about uh, about 12 years in my, you know, between like age 4 and 16. And I'm really having trouble with the arthritis. Um, the doctor that I've consulted has not pushed the surgery, but basically encouraged it because I don't have much cartilage left, uh, you know, in my knees. And I was wondering, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Um, Lauren seemed to feel that you could be helpful, that there might be, you know, alternatives to that before I dive into the surgery part of it. Well, let me ask you if you, you're drinking nourishing herbal infusions on a daily basis. No. That's step one. Okay. And I know no matter she what knows, you decide you about your knees, that's yeah. step one is to okay. drink nourishing herbal infusions on okay, a great. daily basis. Comfrey leaf infusion. Okay. is going to be a big ally for you. Comfrey rebuilds cartilage. Oh, okay. Great. I it didn't even know that was possible. Tendons and the ligaments stronger and more flexible. Okay. And by increasing the flexible strength of the tendons and the ligaments, it takes the pressure off the cartilage and the joint. Okay. So what would you recommend, like one or two a day of the infusion? What you do is you weigh out one ounce of dried comfrey leaf, and you put it in a quart jar, and you fill that jar to the top with boiling water. Okay. Stir it with a wooden spoon. The leaf will absorb some water, and you'll need to put a little more boiling water in it. And when Mm -hmm. it's full, right up to the top, put a lid on it, and let it sit like that, just at room temperature, for at least four hours. Okay. I usually make it lasting at night and let it sit overnight. Okay. Once it's fully brewed, then we're going to strain it out, squeezing the plant material to get all of the liquid out. Right. We will then have about three and a half to almost four cups of nourishing herbal infusion. And my goal is to drink that over the course of a day so that I make a new quart of infusion each evening. Mm-hmm. I, rotate, I rotate through five different infusions. Comfrey leaf, mm-hmm. 
which increases the flexible strength of all connective tissue, including cartilage, ligaments, tendons, as well as structural tissue, such as bone and skin. Yes. Comfrey is a powerful ally to the mucous membranes, making the respiratory patch passages, digestive passages, and the um, mucus-covered surfaces of the urinary and sexual systems much more healthy. Great. Comfrey basically goes through the body, um, helping things to unite. That's its name, symphytum, to come together. I broke my wrist, and I used Comfrey to help heal my wrist, and I did not have it set in any way. Okay. And I, after three months, sought out the help of a physical therapist because I said to myself, Susan, you've been babying your wrist too long. Now you need to get somebody to get tough on your wrist and to tell you what to do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I had been babying it, and I wasn't, you know, using it harshly. But I thought, okay, now's the time to really start, you know, stressing it. But how do you stress it? And she wouldn't work with me until I got an X-ray. And the doctor who looked at the X-ray said, well, you didn't break your wrist three months ago, but you did break your wrist three years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, of course, I hadn't. Yeah. But that's okay. how the comfrey was, how well the comfrey was able to heal that wrist. Okay. That to this experienced doctor who's used to looking at x-rays it looked like it was a three-year-old break not one that it just happened so it's wonderful okay. wonderful herb. Okay, I, I also rotate through i have five herbs that i rotate through so i just come mm-hmm. free one night and yeah. then i use stinging nettle stinging nettle is the herb of energy okay. it restores good blood sugar usage to the body one of the things that i connect is that there is generally some what is being called prediabetes. There's some the cells are showing some resistance to sugar if the joints are breaking down. Okay. So by using nettle and um, getting those cells to accept the insulin, it frees up material to rebuild the joints in the body. Alright. Stinging nettle also rebuilds the adrenals. Okay. And stress hormones, as we know, cause inflammation everywhere in the body, but especially in the joints. Mm-hmm. That's true. Stinging nettle is considered an antiarthritic herb, in fact. Okay. And it's not, of course, that it directly affects it, but that it so quells inflammation. Linden mm-hmm. is one of the most powerful anti-inflammatories. Okay. Much, much better than turmeric. And a real boon for any kind of internal inflammation. So linden flower infusion is another one that I rotate through. Okay. Right? Oat straw. Oat straw, yeah. Oat straw is the herb of the strong nervous system. Okay. It is loaded with minerals that help build all kinds of tissues in the body. And red clover is the fifth herb that I use. Okay. And one class that was talking with plants with me um, sat with the red clover, and the red clover said, my roots encompass the world. Search out everything you need, and I bring it to you in the precise amounts that your body needs. Mm, It's beautiful. And they said, well, 
how can that be? Because so many different people use you. And Ray Clover said, I have so many things to offer that I can do that for each person, no matter how different. Hmm. Okay. A truly amazing plan. So I rotate through those five herbs. Now, what that rotation looks like can be quite different for different people. When I broke my wrist, for the first four or five days, all I drank was comfrey infusion. Mm-hmm. And then, although there was comfrey infusion around, I would drink other infusion and have some comfrey infusion. So I might have three cups of other infusion and a cup or two of comfrey infusion. Okay. And then as my wrist healed even more, I would have not comfrey infusion on hand to have every day, but have comfrey infusion, say, every third day. So I'd have comfrey nettle, oat straw, comfrey, linden, mm-hmm. red, or comfrey, oat straw. <laughs> but, okay. right? So there's no, you know, you, we don't have, there isn't like this uh, precision that you have to have nettle on Monday and oat straw on Wednesday. <laughs> And okay, here at the Wise Women Center, we often let the, once the apprentices have been here for a while, we often will say to them in the evening, what kind of infusion do you want for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So we, it, because we use them singly, um, we have uh, created an ability to know what they taste like and what they do in our body, and that's why we don't mix them together. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You that's do, very helpful. You decide that surgery is the best thing, mm-hmm. then having drunk the nourishing herbal infusions will help you recover from the surgery much, much, much faster. Okay. So before and after you would recover. I know several people who have joint replacements. Mm-hmm. One is a wonderful woman who lives in Scotland. Her name is Helen. She has congenital arthritis. She mm-hmm. was in severe pain by the time she was a teenager and could hardly walk. She's had both knees replaced and both hips replaced and both shoulders replaced, and she's hoping for elbows. Mm-hmm. She's so happy. She's such a happy woman. <laughs> Good. Great. My brother had a knee replaced, and they asked him to lose some weight. He was about 50, 60 pounds overweight, and mm-hmm. they didn't want to do the surgery until he had lost, you know, at least half of that. Right. Which he did, and he gained it all back with interest afterwards. <laughs> and I will say that he's definitely lummoxed by the replacement. Was he lummoxed by not having it? Yeah. So he's really no better or any worse off, and he's still in pain. Nice. It's not like the surgery gets rid of the pain. Surgery causes pain. Mm-hmm. It's just a different kind of pain. Right. And for people who are in severe pain, like Helen, wow, the pain, you know, of the replacement is far preferable to the pain that she had without it. Right. And then my singing teacher got a knee replacement, and the doctor, he saw, said, oh, you're the perfect candidate. You're so healthy. You're so vigorous. And he says he ruse the day that he let himself be talked into doing that. Hmm. Because it so limits his mobility. Once you have a replacement knee, you can no longer squat down because you can't bend that far. Mm-hmm. I see. So there were a lot of vigorous physical activities that he did that he simply can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. That bothers him a lot. I and I say to him, but don't you remember the pain you're in? He said, I remember it, but it was nothing compared to my dissatisfaction of what I can't do. Hmm. 
So there's all of those things, and that's what I usually suggest to people. Before you have any kind of surgery, yeah. talk to people who've had it. Yeah. That's a good idea. Find out what they say. Are they happy? Right? Who are you going to have do this surgery? You know, the the difference in outcome is enormous depending mm-hmm. on who you choose. It's, if you're going to have surgery and some elective surgery like this, then it pays to spend some time choosing a surgeon and choosing a hospital. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, you need so to much. do this, AB, my beloved Jujana had two hip replacements, and she's very, very happy that she had them. She had gotten <laughs> to the point where she really couldn't do anything at all. Yeah. I'm very, I'm quite limited, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm an active person, but I'm quite limited in what I can do right now. Mm-hmm. So. so there are trade-offs, right? Yeah. My singing teacher wasn't limited. After he got the replacement, he was. Right. Jujana was very limited. After she got the replacement, she was less limited. Mm-hmm. So it's very individual. Right. I know that you will make the best decision for yourself right. and drink your nourishable infusions, okay? Thank you so much. All right. The other thing, the thing, just before you go, is if for any reason you're on a limited diet now, Mm -hmm. cut it out. Cut it out. Open your diet up. Make it as broad as possible. Get dairy products in your diet. Get wheat in your diet. Unless you truly have celiac disease, get meat in your diet. Mm -hmm. Eat everything because it will make you healthier. And if you decide on surgery, you will get through that surgery a lot better. So people who fear the worst in surgery are the vegans and vegetarians. Okay. No, I do eat everything, thankfully. Good. All right. Thank I'm you. All right. All right. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. It looks like we have four callers left in our All right. line here. We have the next caller is five coming. minutes. Yes. Uh, the next caller is coming from the 541. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Oh, goody. Um, okay, I have a question about maybe one to four herbs, depending on how much time each one takes. But um, I recently, on Mother's Day, went through my bookcase and rearranged all my books. And in the bottom of my bookcase is um, some jars of experiments that I had done when I started corresponding with you and I got it had a good laugh out of them because <laughs> you know I got so excited when I started out making herbal tinctures and things that I didn't um I just sort of yes you, you may have that um anyway so I have a question about elderflower but this but specifically the flower from the Sambucus racemosa the red berry if I made a tincture out of that particular flower, I know those berries aren't ideal for making um, elderberry, but but the, is the flower going to be a, an issue as far as using the tincture of that? I don't think it will be. Okay. It seems like this, I mean, I don't get the same feeling about the flowers I do about the berry. Um, they seem pretty similar to the like Sambucus negra or the Cerulea. So I've certainly I, never seen any warnings about the flower. Yeah, I didn't either. I just thought I'd ask to get kind of a final 
and, and I've, I've tasted a little bit of it, and it doesn't make me feel funny or anything, so I just figured I'd ask before to I... Excellent. Good work. Okay. Okay. Um, and then the other one is I also... I, so I live in the high desert, and we have a little bit of St. Jones wort here, but not a lot. And so I remember going out and making this tincture probably three or four years ago, <laughs> and um, I didn't use very many of the flowers and I used probably a lot more leaf and some stem to make the tincture and it was you know it was fresh but I still used that part instead of mostly flour and I I feel like you said to use the flour before um what color is your tincture it's red if it's red you got enough flour in it okay great okay and then also, have you ever made lilac tincture for anything? No, but I know they are edible, and I actually have a recipe for lilac wine, which I've never made. Okay. So um, I have a lilac tincture, and I'm wondering if it might be just fun to put in to tea as a flavor or, or something. Give it a try. Okay. Call us and Great. tell us what you discovered. Awesome. I think that was it. I Before I Thank discarded you. them or, you know, I just didn't know quite what well, to do with them. How exciting that you found all these things. It's like a, <laughs> a, a time machine, like a, a gift from, from your former self to yourself now. It was. They were all in a box, and I just kept kind of putting them aside like, oh, I'm not going to pour you out. I'm just going to wait until I have time to learn more about what I need to do with you. <laughs> so I – it was, it was really nice to be able to have that time. I had about some a few hours by myself that I started clearing things out and thought, okay, it's time it's time to see what I can how I can utilize these cool tinctures that came about. Yeah, and what it is exciting. I'm I'm excited to experiment now with the ingestion of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your call. Green blessing. Yeah, thank you, Susan. Take care. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 718 area code. Hi, Susan. I Hello. have a question. Um, I was wondering, I don't know what I can do for this, but I seem to be clenching at night, and my jaws like, get like kind of tight, and the pain sort of goes up all the way to my head, and I get like headaches and a lot of pain on the side of my uh, face. And I was wondering if there's any ideas you have that I could consider? Yes. The first thing that I would suggest is to laugh before you go to sleep. Okay. Out loud. (laughs) (laughs) With your mouth open, right? Not forced open, not like your jaw like stretched, you know, so that it hurts, but just so that your mouth is relaxed, right? Okay. And you can start out. You, you will find this assignment harder than you think. Uh, at least I did when I was given it. I'm like, oh, you know, I was actually told to laugh for five minutes. And after about, you know, 40 seconds, I'm like, I can't keep this up. It was really hard. But, so, you know, do what you're capable of with the goal of ultimately laughing out loud for five minutes. I'm told by roommates at conferences that I laugh in my sleep now. Wow. And while the laughter cure is taking effect, 
also, before you go to sleep, take a dropper full of Hypericum right before you go to sleep. Okay, Hypericum. Right. What I usually do is light a candle by my bed. In mm-hmm. fact, I light a candle by my bed for all the people's problems that I've heard that day. And then I turn off all the electric lights. And so I just have that candle. And then I might read for a little bit because reading my candlelight strengthens your eyes despite what your parents told you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a good time to take that tincture right there. It's a muscle relaxer, and it will help keep those muscles relaxed throughout the night as well as laughing. Okay, I'm going to try that. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Right. And, of course, then you might also want to um, ask yourself now and then, um, what is it in my life that I need to bite through? Hmm. Our bodies usually tell us metaphorically about things, right? So if we're spending the night biting and chewing in with our jaw clenched, then on some psychic or emotional level, there might be something that needs to be chewed up and spit out. I'm going to have to think about that. I mean, definitely there are things on my mind, so I'm going to have to work through that. Yeah, as I said, you know, just let it kind of come in now and then. You don't have to be too serious about it. It'll happen. It'll happen. (laughs) All right. Green blessings. Green blessings. The next caller is coming from the 732 area codes. Are you there in the studio? Are you speaking with me? Yes. Oh, hello, Susan. I hope things are well with you and yours. I have no idea how I got online to uh, ask questions. I was reading the new menopausal book, and uh, the questions that I had, I got answered there. And uh, I'm looking forward to your first book. My job I had borrowed it and lost it in my Place somewhere. I guess I'll have to reorder that and then get on with your newest book. I look forward to that. Like I said, I don't know how I got on to, to call. You, you, must, you, you must have pushed one. Oh, oh, maybe my ear did. Okay. Okay, that's the deal, right? If you push one, then you've raised your hand and we say, and we recognize you. So that's, but I'm so glad I got a moment to talk to you. Green blessings. Thank you, Susan. Good night. Look forward to your new book. Thank you. Are you still there, Rebecca? Oh, whoops, it was on mute. Sorry about that. Um, It looks like we have one more caller with their hand raised. If you have a question for Susan, press 1. It looks like we'll have some time. This caller is coming from the 610 area code. Hello, 610. Are you there? Are you there in the 610? Well, somebody else queued up so we can come back to that caller. The next caller is coming from the 530. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, 
really good to talk to you guys. I had a question for Susan about um Wait, 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 because we're not guys. I'm sorry? We're not guys. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Nor I is, and we don't like to be it's called so, guys. It's, it's, lo- yeah, it's lovely to speak with you, lovely wise woman. Thank you. Yes, of course. I'm sorry. Um, I had a question about oat straw um, infusions because um, I've, I, I've heard that they have an effect on testosterone levels and the, uh, the hormones in general. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So do carrots. Yeah, um, and so do carrots yeah, I, um, and onions and beets yeah. and mm-hmm. grains and nuts and seeds. Most plants have effects on our hormones. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, I wanted to know, do you think it would you know that oat straw have any... is grass of the plant that gives us oatmeal, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So millions of people eat oatmeal without any mm-hmm. problematic hormonal effects, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that is true. <laughs> okay. Okay, awesome. And I was just I was just concerned because I'm on hormone re- replacement therapy, but I'm also very interested in uh, sticking to my nourishing well, herbal being infusion. Being on hormone replacement therapy is a generally not recommended thing to do. Yeah, it's um it's not because I mean, of menopause. It's very it's just, odd to hmm? me to hear somebody worrying about the hormonal effects of herbs when they are taking hormones that are known to cause cancer. No one yeah. has ever gotten cancer from eating oatmeal. But lots of women <laughs> have gotten cancer from taking hormone replacement. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So um, I would say yeah, drink your oat straw and kick the pills, right? That's my usual take on it. If somebody says to me, I'm worried that there's going to be a conflict between this drug and the herb, I say, if you're worried, then stop taking the drug. Mm -hmm. Very true. Don't stop Um, taking the herb. That doesn't make any sense. The herb makes you healthy. The drug doesn't make you healthy. Yeah. 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 um, The hormone replacement therapy is for my uh, gender transition and the... uh, well, I, I've considered that's not really going therapy then. Yeah, that is true. That's true. That's true. Um, uh, but that that was just my 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 so main question. Replacement therapy. It's hormones that you are taking in order to create some massive effects in your body, and you're probably going to be taking them for a long time. And so are you just mm-hmm. going to not do things that are healthy because you want to take these hormones? Is that what you're telling me? That is, I guess it was, but now that I understand it that way, I guess not. That, that makes a lot of sense. My take on it is we always want to be healthy first, yes? Yes, yeah. That, that, that's generally my goal. <laughs> usually make you healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not trying to sell you on nourishing herbal infusions. It's because that's what mm-hmm. I see in the hundreds of thousands of people who are drinking nourishing herbal infusions is that their health mm-hmm. improves. Or nourishing herbal infusions and herbs in general are not drugs. Yeah. And in fact, I have never seen an herb in infusion form interact with a drug in a way that's problematic. And I've rarely seen. <laughs> 
an herb in a vinegar, honey, or oil form interact with the drug in a problematic form. And I've only mm-hmm. occasionally seen an herb in a tincture form interact with the drug. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Americans now use herbal medicine as part of their normal health care. And the number of reported interactions is vanishingly small. Whereas Mm -hmm. I believe that last year more people were killed by taking prescribed drugs than were killed in car accidents. Oh, wow. So I think we can see what's safe and what isn't safe. Herbs are safe. Yeah. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that you are choosing to take some drugs. That's fine. We can mm-hmm. all choose that. My sweetheart takes some drugs because he had chose to have um, some operations, which caused him to need to take some drugs. Mm-hmm. We, But we've checked into what health problems those drugs could cause and are making sure that his diet and his herbs – um, are there to protect him against those things. I mm-hmm. I often um, help people through chemotherapy and herbs that that are used during chemotherapy. And to my mind, chemotherapy is far more daunting in terms of chemical onslaught than hormones are. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I would agree there. So okay. I think you're fine. Oat straw. I think you're as good with the oat straw as you are with oats. You're good as good with the red clover as you are with beans. You're as good with the nettle as you are with spinach. Okay, perfect. So I thank you so much. That helps me a lot. You are welcome. Green blessings. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, let's go back to the six one zero and see if they're there. Okay. Are you there in the six one zero? All right. I think we'll give up on that one for now. The next caller is coming from a private number. Hello? Hi, private number. Hi. I'm sorry. It's a private number. It's my silly computer. Can't can't do anything to change it. Susan, hello, and thank you so much for taking my call. I know I've only got a couple of minutes, and I figured I'd just try to get in there when it sounded like there was only one caller. Um, This is Michelle. You've helped me probably recognize my voice. It's weird. Um, You've helped me in the past with um, talking to my bladder, and, yes, I do enjoy, and I can't live without my nourishing herbal infusion. So thank you so much for that. It's amazing. Um, but I, I'm, I, I don't. I have down there. I, I scoured down there the book, and I'm still. I'm talking to my bladder. Something is just. It's just not kosher. And I'll just describe it very quickly. It's. I, I'm. I'm only peeing maybe five or six times a day. I don't get up in the middle of the night. I'm not incontinent. I'm 62 years old. I'm in decent health. I'm pretty fit. Um, but. After I pee, especially early in the day, um, I'm I, or the first one, I just have this. It's I won't say it's pain, but it's discomfort. I don't I don't feel like I've I, I feel like I almost have to pee again, and I, I just can't shake it. I did the rosehip tea, and I should I, I'm sorry I didn't do it. I enjoyed the rosehip tea. I drank the rosehip tea for a while, and I I, I also took some. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not speaking correctly. 
I I added yarrow at one point. And if you have any ideas, because it's it's just clinging. It's been going on for a year, and I'm not getting any answers spiritually from my body. We talked at all about corn silk. I'm sorry. I I'm, I I constantly call rosehip corn silk. I don't know what's wrong. I said rewire my brain. Yes, I've been doing. I've been drinking the corn the the, the corn silk tea. Okay, so it wasn't rosehip. It was corn silk. No, I apologize. I I just for some reason that's just a. a okay, that's a, right. And you don't find the corn silk soothing. I do. I actually like it a lot. It just didn't feel like it did. I find it soothing mentally and but not to that problem to that issue mm-hmm. um well unfortunately the next medical step uh, uh, is very invasive yeah. very 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 invasive so the scope. What i say is at this point you have to really decide uh, okay. where you're going with this all right if you think something is wrong and the remedies you're using are not resolving it, then you would need to seek some kind of diagnosis. It's not, you know, impossible that you could have bladder cancer. Mm-hmm. If you don't think something is wrong, then you, you know, could simply say, I, I need for you to stop bothering me hmm, okay really bothered by this so you don't okay. be bothered by it you can mm-hmm. tell your stop or you can in some way seek some further diagnosis because you're not getting the results you think you want to get from the home remedies that you're using Mm-hmm. As I said, that you know, so from there, the next step is to become more invasive. Right, and and I remember you talking to me about nine months ago, saying well, I wanted to go to get a, a urine test, and we had that discussion, and you helped me. But you know what? I did go get a urine test, and I even had a culture, and it was all negative. That that was all fine. So I mean, I guess my mind is going to the bladder cancer place, but. I just refuse. I I don't want them to to touch me. And I want to say one more thing that you may have some input on. My mother has been going through bladder issues for the last two and a half years, and I almost feel like on some level I'm taking it on mentally, and and I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. It really does. It It does? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I'm I'm going to just make it go away. Like I I'm going to just have now, some more corn still. And I hope you call again, okay? Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm you know you're out of time. Thank you again. Yes, call again, please. I will. And, great. And, and I hope you okay. so, Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm you know you're out of time. I am so happy to introduce Nancy Vetter Schultz alongside such luminaries as Alice Walker, Starhawk, Lynn Andrews, Sue Monkey Kid, and Susan Weed, Nancy Vetter-Schultz, Ph.D., was named a wisdom keeper of the goddess spirituality movement in 2013. She is author of The World is Your Oracle, divinatory practices for tapping your inner knowing and getting the answers you need. Innovative 
Nation book that presents cultural techniques for Nancy Vettersholtz is also this theological columnist for Sage Woman magazine and a blogger for feminism and religion and Nature's Sacred Journey on the Patheos Pagan. Nancy honed her speaking and writing skills in the emerging field of women's studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where her focus began. Her news nudged her out of academia to record Chants for the Queen of Heaven, a wonderful CD of Goddess Chants from around the world. Welcome to the show, Nancy. I'm so happy to reconnect with you. Well, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Yes, that tells you where I'm coming from. I'm feeling a little bit laid back today because I spent the entire day in the hospital, unfortunately, and got up really early, but my husband is doing okay. That's the best news I could have today that he's not that he's got sinus rhythm in his heart and didn't have a stroke. <laughs> Oh, blessed be. I am so glad to hear that. It was a crazy day, but I'm so happy that it's over, and I'm really happy to be with you tonight, Susan, because I think we'll have a wonderful discussion, and I'm glad to reconnect with you. I think the last time was out at the Goddess Spirit Rising Conference in California. Yes, are you going to be there again this year? It's not this year, is it? I thought it was, is it this coming September? It is this September. It's every ah. other Well, and I may very there. well be there. You will be there. Good. I love God of Spirit Rising, so maybe we'll have a chance to connect there again. It's a wonderful conference. Now, when I introduced you at the very beginning of the show, there was a little discussion about, well, what is an oracle anyhow? Is it a person, <laughs> a goddess is speaking through her, or is it something outside of yourself, or do you have to have a thing? And I said, well, the great thing about it is that, like, thing is the world. Oracle, but right. Answer that every somebody says every once in a while you're you're um, clipping. So I heard most of that question, and essentially the way my understanding is is that I don't want to tell people what their source of wisdom is. I think everyone has the right and the responsibility in her life to say the goddess or this particular goddess or my own inner wisdom or the accumulated um, insights of my life. Whatever it is you consider your source of wisdom, that's your source of wisdom. So I don't tell people it's one thing or the other. In that way, I'm very much a Unitarian Universalist. I don't I think that there are different ways to get to the wisdom that we all carry within us and that we use different language to talk about what that wisdom is. But what I think is important is to get there. So the way I use the word oracle, because it is a word that has multiple meanings, is that it's just the and it's a divinatory answer. It's a question a divinatory question gives you an oracular answer by tapping you into your own inner wisdom and the source of that wisdom, however you define it, as opposed to working out a a question rationally with your rational mind. So it's a different way of finding your inner wisdom. 
Yes, I'm sorry about the phone. Um, I'm in a kind of odd place, um, physically, not mentally, and it does because of that. Um, yes, I sometimes when people say to me, "Well, should you know, should I go left or go right?" I say, "Toss a coin." <laughs> exactly. And they look at me and I say, "Well, you know, if you say I'll go right if it's tails and I'll go left if it's heads, and you." you Toss it in its hands, and you go. I don't want to go left. Well, you made your decision. It's just a tool for making a decision. It's not exactly. going to make a decision for you. It's a tool to help you. Exactly, and I think you're absolutely right. It's it's tapping your inner wisdom, and sometimes I, I, there's a wonderful story about uh, Benjamin Franklin talking to his nephew, and his nephew said. Well, I don't know which one of these two women I would like to marry. They're both wonderful. And so Benjamin Franklin said, well, go make a list of pros and cons. And the nephew did that. And he came back and he said, well, woman number one really wins out on the the pros and cons. But I like woman number two better. (laughs) And Benjamin Franklin said, well, you made your decision. It's woman number two. <laughs> the world is your oracle. Is is this still important today? I mean, a divination oracles, those are like things from the past, right? Huh. No, I think they're much more important today. I think in the past it was it was much easier to find the time and space and quiet to really tap into your inner wisdom without having techniques for it. We are bombarded with noise and just all sorts of expert opinion and uh, advertising and, you know, people telling us what to do continuously in our lives. And as a result, I think it's much more important to tap into our inner wisdom today because it's very hard to hear ourselves think. And what we need to do, I think, is to listen to what Apple CEO and co-founder Steve Jobs called the whisperings of intuition. And I don't think Jobs was a perfect person, but he certainly was innovative. And he was listening a lot to his own whisperings of intuition, those wise flashes of inspiration that will help us be more aware and successful in an environment which is rapidly changing and is just out of control in terms of noise that's bombarding us from every angle. Yes, I was actually just reading an article about noise pollution that said that if if you could see noise pollution, we'd be like up to our knees in in wadded up pieces of paper yeah. from the of noise pollution. Um, and I, for the the two years that I was at lovers with the noted American composer Pauline Oliveros, every time a crow flew past us, going ka ka, she would look at me and she would say, "Do you know what that bird is saying?" And I'd say, "What? Charge more." Charge more. <laughs> That's wonderful. Actually, some of my experiences came from caw, the cawing of crows. I started out with doing, you know, the the uh, systematic forms of divination like tarot and runes and the I Ching. But I started to notice that when I was thinking about important issues, the 
the birds would start to caw, the crows specifically. And I, I knew they were telling me something, but I didn't yet have an understanding of those synchronicities in my life. But they led me to realize that the world, not just these systematic forms, but the world itself was my oracle. So, yes, I understand that completely. And I didn't know you were involved with with Oliveras. She was a, a very important person to me when I was much, much more involved in music because she was one of the most innovative uh, women musicians or just musicians in the 70s and 80s. She was just amazing. Absolutely. I miss her horribly. Um, I had no idea you were involved with music. So. <laughs> there it is. How wonderful. So for those of you who are not on the page with Pauline Oliveros, as I said, it really noted, and as Nancy has added, amazingly innovative American composer, check out her work. One of the things, of course, that totally attracted me to Pauline was that she would perform barefoot. And that makes sense to me, being much more in touch with the earth, with the world that is our oracle, yes. So we had that, that barefoot connection there. So how did you decide that you were going to write a book about Oracle? Well, that was really interesting. There were a lot of things that pushed me um, in this direction. I was in a coven where there were seven of us, seven women, and we decided that we would each be responsible for one of the seven chakras for a year and a day. And I pulled the sixth chakra out of the hat and I must have blanched at that time because I was in a coven with at least two if not three extremely psychic people and I didn't feel like I was anything but a normally psychic person. I think everybody's psychic to a certain degree but I didn't. I was like, what? I'm going to be the one dealing with the third eye, our intuition as a coven? So that started me out um, doing more research. That's, you know, especially back at that point in my life, in my 40s, I was the way to deal with problems, issues, you know, things that came up was to research, to find out more about it. Because that was when I was still involved in academia and, and teaching in women's studies. So that was one of the big ones. And then I had this idea that um, I would like to create a deck of oracle cards where you would pull one of the cards and instead of giving you an answer from the image or the name of the card, that it would give you an indication of a particular type of technique that you should use to find out the answer to your question. And the reason that I wanted to do this was in part because my daughter is a painter, and I wanted her to paint the cards. And actually, that she was at that time she was 17, and she said, Nancy, I can't do 50 or 40 of the same technique, the same framing, the same ideas, the same you know methods, the same media. And I said, oh yeah, you're 17. You should go out and explore all sorts of different things. But in her mid-20s, she came back and said, you know that book, that idea you had for a book? Let's do it. So we started working on it in, 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 in for real, 
And I guess the third reason was that it really was a continuation of my empowerment work. I think all of my life has been involved in empowering women. The first thing that I did when, even before I finished my PhD, was to teach in the Women's Studies program here at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And that was a wonderful opportunity to intellectually empower women. But after a while, that became a little bit too narrow, a little bit constraining, because as I've said, I'm also a musician, and so the creative parts of my life were as important as the intellectual parts. And so I started to do, I, I created a, a CD of goddess chants, as you said at the beginning, and I used it as a, empower, a tool to empower women to look at goddess mythology, which is incredibly empowering, and spent many years doing workshops on a variety of different goddesses. And then I finally wrote this book called The World is Your Oracle, and what, the biggest surprise for me was how much more empowering it was than the work that had come before, because when you ask women to tap into their inner wisdom, not surprise, it shouldn't have been, but surprise, they're wise, and they know what they want to do, they know how to go about doing it, and they know what steps to take, and they make themselves a better world, a more loving world, a, a more, it's just the most empowering work I've done to date, and I love it. It's just very exciting. Isn't it wonderful when life surprises us? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you have pretty different divination multicultural techniques in your book, The World is Your Oracle. What's favorite? What's the strongest? What's the one never used? Well, I love the most the one which is called Water, because I'm, the thing that you need to know about this book before I answer that question in greater depth is that it's divided into three parts, the, the visual divinations, the auditory divinations, and the kinesthetic divinations. And I'm an auditory diviner, and therefore water is one of the best things for me to use to get an answer, because all I have to do is go down to the lake and sit and listen to the lapping of the waves on the shore. And with sh within a very short period of grounding and centering and then just listening to those waves, I have an answer to my question. And I love that. It's, it's a very meditative technique. It's a very open-ended technique, but it works for me. Um, another one that I love very much is chanting because I'm a singer. And um, it gets me into a very deep place, singing a chant, a simple chant. And from that sort of meditative space, it opens up the possibility of hearing something that's outside the box and new information for me. So those are some of my favorite ones. But there are a whole bunch of them that I use, um, kinesthetic ones and visual ones. Um, the visual ones 
run the gamut from something as simple as um, using a mind map or what I call balloon diagrams to sort of outline your issue, which is just underneath the level of the um, conscious mind, and but dips nicely into the unconscious, and to something that I find impossible because I'm not really very um, visual in my divinatory um, proclivities, and that is like scrying, looking at gazing through a bowl of water to see images that, that then answer your question. So it, there are basic techniques and there are advanced techniques, and that's true in each one of the sections, whether it's auditory or it's kinesthetic. For instance, in the kinesthetic one, one of my favorites that I just was um, doing the other day is hands and feet. And it's um, what you do is you just notice your body's signals and notice where your feet want to take you or what your hands want to do as a pathway to, a, to greater insight into whatever your issue is. And I, I especially like to do that at home because there's so many objects and paths and um, little corners in my house that I associate with things because whatever your hand is reaching out to grasp can give you information for the question that you're asking. I hope that answers your question. It's a wonderful, wonderful answer. Because I knew I was talking to you, I asked the universe to please provide me with an oracle that I had never heard of before. And sure enough, I opened my copy of Fantasy and Science Fiction, and there was an article, uh, a story actually, a science fiction story, um, and the, it was about a, a divination method um, in which uh, they sought people with very large noses to sneeze. They would make their divination from the pattern of the sneeze. That's, you know, there actually are people who use sneezes as divination uh, practices. I'm, I'm not remembering which people. I didn't Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I thought, okay, now I got what she hasn't heard of, but wrong. <laughs> no, I, you have to understand, Susan, I spent years reading. You know, I love learning new things. So reading about all the different ways that all the different people all over the world have divined is just fascinating. It, it, it's, and there's thousands and thousands of techniques. You know, I, I could only get 40 in my book. <laughs> It was interesting that you said that you kind of started with a kind of tarot-ish idea of it being cards and illustrated, although the cards themselves weren't the divination. They were the divination of how to get to the kind of divination that you needed. Because that was something that came up at the beginning of the show, too, was, well, is tarot an oracle? Uh, oh, of course it is, yes. I, I certainly think so. Oh, yeah, it's an oracle. Actually, the funny thing is that when Linnea, my daughter, and I went and found a publisher, namely Fairwinds, they decided they did not want to do the card deck and instead just made it into a book. But now it's been out for just over two years, and they owned Linnea's 
images for those two years. And so now we are actually in the process of putting together a card deck to go with the book. And so, <laughs> so I'm actually doing doing what I thought I would never do, which is say, well, on this card you can see thus and such. And if, you know, we're talking about chanting, well, music is associated with, and talk about what the cultural associations are with each of the different types of techniques. And then, of course, at the end I say, if these associations or your own personal associations, which are much more important to this particular card or this image or this idea, don't really compute for you, then try the technique. There's a, you know, on page such and such of the world is your oracle. Yes, yes, yes. This is Susan Weed talking with Nancy Fetter Schultz. Nancy, tell everybody how they can get a copy of The World is Your Oracle and how they can get in touch with you, please. Well, I they can get a book from me. Um, the easiest way to do that would be to um, get in touch with me at my uh, website, which is worldyouroracle.com. Or they can get one from Amazon. They're they're available through Amazon. And if you were in Madison, there's several bookstores I could p- point out. A Room of One's Own is my favorite bookstore. I like to buy all my books through them to make sure that our feminist bookstore continues to exist. And um, I am also available um, through my email. If people would like to email me, I would be happy to talk to them. And my email is Nancy V, like in Vetter, like in Victoria, dash S, like in Schultz, my last name, Vetter Schultz. So Nancy V dash S at TDS.net, which is TomDickSally.net. That's a Madison, uh, what do you call those things? Places that you can get your email through, a email provider, I guess. Email provider, right. <laughs> can we still get Chance for the Queen of Heaven? Yes, I still have Chance for the Queen of Heaven, yes. It is, and, and I'm so glad you enjoyed it, Susan. I, it is a, you know, in some ways, singing was my first love. And so going back to, and goddesses were the love that made my life more real. So putting them together, doing chants to goddesses from all over the world was really a wonderful nine-month birth-like um, activity. I spent nine months eating, sleeping, writing arrangements, and um, recording them. And it's, it is a lovely uh, recording, and the only way you can get that is through me, because at this point I, I haven't done what I should do is put it on um, CD Baby or something. I've just been so busy with the um, World is Your Oracle and all the workshops and, and classes and spiritual coaching that I've been doing using the book that I haven't gotten around to putting um, my CD on CD Baby. But, yeah, it's a lovely CD. There are eight people who sang as backup singers, eight women, and a whole bunch of ethno-musicians that were used in different um, ways because there were there are chants from all over the world. It's a 
truly remarkable CD. Oh, thank you. It's so rich, and I, I really can hear and feel in it all of that work that you did. It's it's so you found these beautiful gems and then faceted them and polished them and set them for. Thank you. That's lovely. <laughs> Thank you. We're coming close to the end of the show here. It's hard to believe. I had such a good time talking with you always, Nancy. And now we have ever so much more to talk about. <laughs> We've talked tonight. Now we know a few more things about each other. It's such a delight. Um, I'd like to give the last little bit of the show directly to you and ask you this question. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone listening to you tonight? Well, I think the most important thing to tell listeners is that if they tap into their own inner wisdom and that that source of wisdom within them, that their lives will be much fuller, much more vital, and much more much happier. It's just the best pathway to figuring out the next step in any process, finding inspiration for a new um, thing in your life, or just getting out of being stuck. It's just the best way, because as um, Susan, as uh, Alex Dopkin sang years ago, the woman in your life Know simply what is true to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you. www.worldyouroracle.com Schultz, and you can find out all kinds of other things there, including snagging a copy of Chance for the Queen of Heaven, believe Nancy, thank you so much for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the goddess. Such strong and vibrant to add to this cloak. So enriched. We are blessed by your presence and your work. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so grateful to be able to be with you, Susan. Thank you for your work. Take care. Take care. Green blessings, everybody. Thank me. Put herbal medicine back in the hands of the people, Rebecca. Herbal medicine is the medicine of the people, by the people, and for the people. Green blessings, Rebecca. Green blessings, Justine. And green blessings, everybody, tonight. Green blessings. Good night. Good night.
Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.